Thank you, Sean. Seven o'clock meeting tries to start promptly at seven o'clock. And we always open with a prayer. Chaplain Lee's in the house. Please stand to your feet all over the room. All right, we welcome everyone. But most of all, we want to welcome the presence of the Lord. So we thank you, Father, on today for everything you've done, everything you're doing, but most of all for what you're about to do. We invite you right now, Lord, to come into this meeting and bless each and every one that is here. We ask you to use your manservant to speak with the clarity as we prepare to go through five, six, and seven. We understand, Lord, that we could never do it without you. So we ask you, Father, just to have your way in this place. We give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor in the mighty name of Jesus. All say amen. Thank you, chap. So who's here for the first time tonight? Anybody? Good, a few of you. First of all, welcome. Second, let us warn you in advance, you're liable to experience us just a little different than other meetings of other fellowships you may have attended. Primary reason that's liable to happen is we intend for you to have a different experience here. What we do here, we take a look at the suggested instruction for a step or so a week directly out of this book. And we use this book in 12-step recovery, why? Yeah, the process described by the authors of this book have proven the process to work for addicts of the hopeless variety, addicts to alcohol and other substances. Yes? There's some facts we have to agree on or we go nowhere. So if we agree, that's what's up. So what I'm going to do, it's none of my business what the book says to you, but I am going to show you how I find what it says to me. And I'm going to encourage you to have your experience with it. And if we both do our job, we'll share a spiritual experience in this room tonight. Fair enough? How many of you have been here before and can witness for these folks that have? So you see a show of hands. Those of you online can't see the show of hands because of the on anonymous nature of our fellowship. But they're raising their hand to signify when we speak of a spiritual experience in 12-step recovery, we're talking about a sensory experience. You will feel it. And when you do, I'll know. And I'll call it to your attention because we would cheat you to talk to you about the power we call God without, without giving you a demonstration of that power. The other thing we do here is when I say God, they say power. Because we don't want any prejudice about the word God blocking you off from the experience of God. Fair enough? Who just felt that? Someone just felt that. So... The other thing that we always do here, there are 33,000 men and women currently incarcerated in ADCRR, and they all have access to this very meeting, so if you could give them a shout out. Let them know that we have a place for them when they're ready, yes? And there are 7,500 men and women in Maricopa County jail system. They also get this. And similarly, we want to welcome them home whenever they're ready, yeah? Yes. All right, so tonight we're going to take a look at steps five, six, and seven. And that starts in chapter six and a little chapter called Into Action. <laughs> the, 
The authors are always very intentional about everything they do. The first 100 agreed on every word. The title of the chapter is End to Action, and to Sean's point, there is no chapter on End to Thinking, is there? And there's a reason for that. How many of you in your active addiction tried to think your way into better acting? Probably everybody, right? So we've already proven that thinking our way into better acting when we have a disorder of the mind and emotion is not a workable plan, right? So what they're suggesting is we're going to act our way into better thinking. Does that make sense? And I know I'm not saying fake it till you make it. We're calling your attention to the real sensory power, the experience of God. But as we start learning to serve, we are going to sometimes still think a lot like the old us, but act more like the new us. Yes? And in time, the new us will be dominant. Yes? Okay. So, here we are. Having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? Not even an opinion, huh? Okay, let's read further then. We've been trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our creator and to discover the obstacles in our path. Is that what you've been trying to do? And those of you who are just contemplating starting on this manner of living, did you know that's what we've been trying to do? Where's my people that at least started out with maybe a little atheism or agnosticism? Okay, so I don't even know why I want a new relationship with a creator I don't believe in, do I? So what I got to do is take their witness. What, what they told us is the main problem centers in their mind. Therefore, if I've got their disorder, the main problem centers in my mind. And the solution's found deep down inside. And they told me that the world doesn't have any power to cause how I think and feel. It simply reflects how I'm thinking and feeling, their witness. So if I'm having a tough time in creation, it's logical that I would want a new relationship with creator. Yes? So does it make sense why they wanted a new relationship with creator regardless of belief? Because they're coming to believe. Right? We're in a process. Okay. And then we want to look at the obstacles in our path. Yes? Then it says we have admitted certain defects and we've ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. How many of you have done as much as a four-step inventory or started on that part of the process? So in that effort, you ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. Yes? What was the trouble in a rough way? Selfishness, self-centeredness, various manifestations of self, driven by fear, yes? Okay. Says we've put a finger, our finger on the weak items in our personal inventory. Did you personalize it? Not enough to say I was selfish, all humans are. How was I thinking, how was I acting when I was selfish? When myself manifest, yes? Did you do some of that? Okay. Now these are about to be cast out. That's good news, isn't it? How many of you have tried to behave better and then things went south and you behaved less than you intended? So they didn't say I'm about to cast them out. It said they are about to be cast out. Okay, 
Then it says, this requires action on our part. Oh, I have a part to play. Which, when completed, will mean that we have admitted to God. Oh, that was weak. We've admitted to God. They're trying to hear you clear in Douglas and Kingman. To ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our defects. This brings us to the fifth step in the program of recovery mentioned in the preceding chapter. So the preceding chapter was how it works. They were discussing the process. Hopefully someone laid the entire process out for you for your consideration. And now you've done the first step of action, which is this inventory. And you're getting ready to share it with somebody else to get a little clarity in your experience. Yes? yes. All right. So the first thing they acknowledge is the obvious experience all of us have. This is perhaps difficult. How many of you found discussing it with someone else so difficult that you didn't bother to write it down? So you, you did not enact the decision because you, you were afraid of something further down the path, yeah? Okay. So let's acknowledge the fear and then let's move forward because we don't outgrow fear without confronting fear, right? All right, so, so we think we've done well enough at admitting these things to ourselves. How many of you have thought that? Well, the authors say there's doubt about that. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. No one's trying to tell you your experience. They're telling you theirs. They have found that in their delusional state, they often were not good at analyzing their motive or their degree of selflessness as they self-processed their debacle. Have any of you ever spun yourself to be more innocent than you really were? So they're talking about their experience. We're wanting you to see your experience. No one wants to tell you what it is. We want you to confront it, right? Because it's the only way it's going to work for you. All right. So then it says, many of us thought it necessary to go much further. So if we think we want what they have and we're willing to go to any length to get it, then I want to go with the ones who think they need to go much further because I want to go much further. Yes? It says, we will be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reasons why we should do so. Is that you? Tell me why. The why is important, isn't it? Okay. The best reason first. If we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. How many of you came here to overcome an addiction of some sort? How many of you just arrested? How many of you have had more, more than one go at this? And you thought you were serious until you found out you weren't. So I don't know whether you're here to overcome it or not, but I agreed to go to any lengths, and I made that agreement with this newfound power within. That's one I should keep, because thus far, I've been delivered. Yes? Okay. Says time after time, newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives. Trying to avoid this humbling experience, they've turned to easier methods. How many of you have tried something simpler than what was suggested in order to get free? Held a little something back, 
spun it a little bit. How many of you had a bad outcome or continued to suffer as a result? That's how they learned it too, right? It's a book of experience, but we want to call you, we don't have to get this perfect, but I can learn from another's experience if I'm open to it. So it says, having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. How many of you have had that happen? You thought you were doing good. How many of you didn't ever get told there is no rest of the program? A lot of times we're not told that. There is no rest of the program. I agreed in three that as long as I have a breath in my lungs, I will use it to advocate for my brother and sister. So if I'm still sucking air, I ain't done. Does that make sense? So it says, having persevered with the rest of the program, they wondered why they fell. We think the reason is they never completed their house cleaning. Did anyone ever explain for you that the big amends that nine prepares me for is 12? I'm just getting spiritually fit enough in nine to go into that trap house, that whatever musky scene that we find people in, ourselves included, and snatch them out without judgment. Does that make sense? So my house cleaning isn't done till I take what I thought was a wasted life and employ it to lift up another. Does that make sense? So they took inventory all right, but hung on to some of the worst items in stock. They only thought they had lost their egoism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves. They put the word thought in italics. Why do you imagine they did that? Definitely important, because it was hard to change the typeset at this time. Where's the main problem of the alcoholic or the addict sinner? In the mind. Huh. Have you ever thought yourself humble? Did you notice how you immediately lost your humility with that thought? That's what it would be to think I had lost my egoism. How many of you have thought you lost your fear and then acted out in fear? So it's a little trickier than that, isn't it? So what it says, but they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness, and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story. All's in italics. Why'd they do that? <laughs> well, important is good. That's... How many of you really balked at the wording and that turning my will and my life over to the... Okay. Um, all I'm asking is that my thoughts be directed. I don't have the power to live of my own volition. I'm asking my thoughts be directed. I'm asking that my breath be used to bless my brother rather than curse my brother. That's what I'm asking for. Yeah. Um, I haven't told all my life story. My, my life story just started getting good a few years ago. Anyone else? Some of you, it's been even shorter than that, right? Hey, this house means that there's every indication that you're going to go out and live very successful lives. We're proud of you. We're proud of what you guys are doing. But uh, there are thousands of people that need to hear your story. Okay. 
So more than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. Where's my meth addicts? You, you got more than two, don't you? He's very much the actor to the outer world. He presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. You ever have a caricature or a, an idea of yourself you'd like everyone to hold? Says he wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but he knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. Now they're talking to you about the sensory experience of how I beat myself. I want you to think of me this way, but I know if you find out who I really am, you can't possibly think of me this way. Any of you ever been trapped in that thought loop? The inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his sprees. How many of you have had sprees? <laughs> Coming to his senses, he's revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembers. Where's my drinkers? Got any vague remembrances? <laughs> Don't remember. Exactly right. <laughs> These memories are a nightmare. He trembles to think someone might have observed him. As fast as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. He hopes they'll never see the light of day. Where's the power found? Deep down inside. You relate to that plan of pushing those nightmarish memories way down inside yourself? Right there on top of the power. Hmm. Doesn't sound like a very good plan, does it? But we've, we've had that plan in common with these folks, yeah? So it says, that here's the experience they describe. He's under constant fear and tension. How many of you can re remember living times of your life in constant fear and tension? Got so used to it, it was a normal... The doctor's opinion of these guys when they came to him is that they were restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks, which keeps us in the loop. And once I'm operating all the time in constant fear and tension, which I know any of you coming from where the ones that came here, you, you have lived however many years there in constant fear and tension because that's just the way, it, that's the way it's done. Okay. All right, so that says that makes for more drinking. Psychologists are inclined to agree with us. How many of you saw psychiatric professionals? Not including the ones you've met here. <laughs> so it says we've spent thousands of dollars for examinations. We know but few instances where we've given these doctors a fair break. We've seldom told them the whole truth, nor have we followed their advice. Do you relate to them? That's why we share experiences here rather than opinions. Because I've paid thousands of dollars for informed medical opinions, lied to get those opinions, and then ignored the advice. Anyone else? Where's my opiate addicts? That, that is RMO, isn't it? Okay, so unwilling to be honest with these sympathetic men, we were honest with no one else. Small wonder many in the medical profession have a low opinion of alcoholics and their chance for recovery. We must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in this world. Isn't it interesting that's what they found out, the professionals, the clergy, 
Nobody really worked for them, but they found out an alcoholic who had recovered could talk to them. And I've reminded you guys that have been here in the past weeks, that's the model we have. We know that you need to talk to people that have had the same lived experience you have so that we can make progress quickly, yes? Okay. Rightly and naturally, we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. So they're going to acknowledge that we've got a little trepidation. Any of you consider yourself to have trust issues? So we're going to, rightly and naturally, we're going to think about who we're going to share this with, right? Those of us belonging to a religious denomination which requires confession must, and of course will, want to go to the properly appointed authority whose duty it is to receive it. So if you have a religious tradition that requires confession, by all means go to confession. Don't necessarily do that in replacement of your AA practice because it may not get you the same result. Does that make sense? So, though we have no religious connection, we may still do well to talk with someone ordained by an established religion. Any of you ever had that desire? Or worked with someone who did? Yeah, yeah. if you have something that might involve something that has not yet been adjudicated, you may want something protected by the confessional, yeah? Okay, so we often find such a person quick to see and understand our problem. What is our problem? A lot of people looking at us coming in from active addiction or active judicial experience they think we either have this criminal mentality, maladaptive behavior, or they think we have this substance disorder, all true. But that's not the main problem. Right? And so if they're looking at the outside when my problem's on the inside, they're, they're not going to get me where I need to go so I don't keep going back to where I always go back. All right, so, of course, we sometimes encounter people who do not understand alcoholics. Have you ever encountered them? Have you encountered them in places that you were surprised to encounter them? Have you encountered them in our fellowships? Have you ever been really mad at somebody you were really hoping good things for and they spun off again? Ah, you don't understand them. Powerless is not a theory. How many of you have gotten mad at you? Uh, see, we don't have to go any further than our nose. Everything back of our nose is our business. Everything out in front of it is not our business. That shit will get you crazy. Okay. All right. So if we cannot or would rather not do this, we search our acquaintance for a closed mouth understanding friend. So guys, that's what I'm hoping to grow into is a closed mouth understanding friend. Does that make sense? How many of you have to admit when you first get here, you're not terribly closed mouth or understanding? <laughs> and the more people we help and confront our judgments, do we not outgrow some of that need to tell, need to spill, need to judge. 
What is that but a power greater than you operating through you? Some of you felt that. Who felt that? Promise to call that to your attention. That's the power we call God around here. Okay. So perhaps our doctor or psychologist will be the person. It may be one of our own family, but we cannot disclose anything to our wives or parents which will hurt them and make them unhappy. So there's some things that are going to have to be dealt with another way. Yeah? And it helps to have someone help us with that. We have no right to save our own skin at another person's expense. Such parts of our story we tell to someone who will understand, yet be unaffected. So understand what? Unaffected by what? What, what is it that I'm embarked on? I'm, I'm engaged in a search for the truth. Not my truth, not your truth, the truth. And I understand that the truth is a journey or a process. It's a coming to believe. And so I'm going to peel some layers of my truth, which might be disturbing to you if you're not prepared to hear where I've been. Yes? Yeah, and, 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 and so we know those are fears. People think they've had the worst experience ever. And all I would say to you is no one comes to any of us without a past. And whatever it is you think that you've done that no one's ever heard of, if it has a name, you didn't invent it. And if it doesn't have a name, let's sit down and talk about it. We'll make a name up for it. That could be a hoot. Um, but that's a whole other book, isn't it, Matt? All right. So, so, what did I do now? Oh, here, the rule is we must be hard on ourselves, but always considerate of others. Notwithstanding the great necessity for discussing ourselves with someone, it may be that one is so situated there is no suitable person available. Do you think that's true in Phoenix, Arizona today? Sounds like lived experience, but um, Sean's point, though, is it really isn't about whether I think you should be feeling safe enough to disclose it. It's about doing everything I can to get you feeling safe enough about when to disclose it, because it really doesn't matter. My judgment right away is there's no reason you can't do this. Well, yeah, there probably is. So we need to get everybody, we need to be in a safe place. We may need to talk a little while before we get there. You guys notice you come here that come here, you, you program for 90 days and it looks like a long time, but when they start getting you processing and looking at that stuff and sharing with people and getting to know, you know what you have in common and, and the common goals to get and have a more vibrant life, that takes a little time to unpack that and feel comfortable, yes? Okay. So, I know it goes fast, but you get to the re-entry center. We're going to get you ready and then we're going to launch you catapulted okay all right so if that is so this step may be postponed only however if we hold ourselves in complete readiness to go through it with it at the first opportunity you and your creator only are the only ones who know your readiness they're going to describe what readiness looked like to them so you can kind of check yourself does that make sense so it says we say this because we're very anxious that we talk to the right person so that is a good motive. I want to talk to the right person. It's important that he be able to keep a confidence, that he fully understand and approve what we're driving at, and that he will not try and change our plan. 
So what is it they're driving at? Their search for the truth. I understand their search for the truth can be quite messy. Mine was. Yes? Okay. So, but we must not use this as a mere excuse to postpone. No. So you've already encountered the power. That's the one you spoke your two and three to move you forward. You've already produced an inventory, which most of us have never completed, which is evidence of a power greater than you already working through you. Now you're sitting down talking to somebody about it, something you probably said I'll never do, but there you are doing it. So if I'm not doing those things, then that's me and my fear trying to keep me from my destiny once again. Does that make sense? Because by now, this is a very simple operations manual for a very complex machine, the human mind. And I need to confront, I need to keep, take captive every thought and see why is that thought trying to overpower me yet again. Yes? Okay. So when we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. They describe to you the reaction. They're not telling you what you should do. They, their experience was once they knew, they knew. Does that make sense? How many of you have launched and you found someone to help and when you started doing all of a sudden you, things you were never willing to do, you found yourself doing? Okay, they're, they're, yeah, they're crediting a power greater than themselves. We're asking you to consider if that might have happened for you. Does it make sense? So we have a written inventory and we're prepared for a long talk. That's another preparatory thing. If I don't think I got the right guy, that's no reason I can't write it down. And I'm prepared to spend enough time unpacking it to get free. I'm trying to get free of me so I'm free to be me. How many of you have played a role that you knew was not you in order to win friends because you didn't think they liked the real you? How many of you found that most of those people didn't like the new one either? <laughs> the problem is if I don't give them the authentic me, they're never going to get an opportunity to reject the authentic me. And if they have, uh, reject the authentic me, I will survive it. They probably weren't my people. I've found a lot more once I was real that liked me more than when I was playing the game. So we explained to our partner what we we're about to do and why we have to do it. He should realize that we're engaged upon a life and death errand. Most people approached in this way will be glad to help. They'll be honored by our confidence. So I need to know that I need to be able to be fully transparent with you. You need to know that I know that. You may not, but it would be good. And how many of you have heard people's fifth steps? Anyone here work with people? Are we not honored every time that they allow us to help them unpack and they feel safe in our presence? So it's a fact. Whoever you ask, if they're the right one, they will be honored by that confidence. Okay. So then they got some more instruction for us. We pocket our pride and go to it. Hmm. They've already told me I got a written inventory, now I'm prepared for this long talk. Now we're about to have this long talk. So they draw me a mental picture of all this stuff. I never tell them that motherfucker this. 
pocket it. Was that a surprise word, Wayne? Illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. Why did they get so emphatic? How many of you have done a fifth step inventory? How many of you had a little something you didn't think was all that important? So they're letting us know, yeah, even that little thing. Every, every, if it's occupying space in your mind, it's important enough to bring to the light. Does that make sense? Okay. Then they're going to give us promises and conditions. Once we have taken this step, which step? Admitted to God, myself, and another human being. Once I have taken this step, withholding nothing, we are delighted. So they're, they're talking to you about this sensory experience of delight. How many of you went through your fifth step, didn't hold anything back, would not describe how you felt as delighted? Okay, we'll get to that, why that might be, because that's not all that uncommon. I was so dead in the spirit when I went through it that the guy I was with knew I experienced delight, but I didn't know it. He called it to my attention. But that's what happened for me, but other, there's other reasons. I'll help you with that. But if you didn't get that, did you withhold something? How many of you did withhold something? And somebody called you on it? You ever, did that happen? Where I, come on, someone tell me. So you tried to withhold something? Were you surprised how they knew? How many of you are wondering how we know when, when, when you hold something back in a fifth step with someone in the spirit, we know. Because we're waiting for that hit of delight. We share that hit of delight. Do we not? Where's my people that have done this? So we know. When it comes, we feel it. And if you don't believe me, have you ever been sitting there with someone who's trying to help you unpack and you can't get there, but all of a sudden you see tears running down their eyes? Because you're still hiding the pain and they're carrying it for you. That's what's happening. Some of you are feeling that. Who's feeling that? Okay. So here's what I always tell you. Once you get in this manner of living, you can't lie to us without our permission. Because we don't know. Truth has a feel. Make sense? Okay. So then it tells you we can look the world in the eye. How many of you came out of that fifth step and maybe didn't feel all that great, but you could hold your head up just a little bit more? We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. <laughs> How many of you had the experience of never really even knowing what it was like to be alone? How many of you were a little unfamiliar with perfect peace and ease? Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our creator. How many of you have felt what we're talking about in here tonight? That's what it means to feel the nearness of your creator. It's not a theology, it's a relationship we're introducing you to. Does that make sense? 
We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. See why we call your attention to what's going on? Because I need to get honest about the spiritual experience I'm having. And no, I'm not talking about you experiencing emotion. You may experience all kinds of emotion. I'm talking about your awareness of the emotion. I'm talking about you, the spirit, apart from the emotion or thought, almost watching it go by as a truck on the highway. You know what I'm talking about? It will start to make sense why you want to improve consciousness, because then I can distance myself from emotion, but use emotion in order to save another. Now it's a tool. Does that make sense? I'm giving you a demonstration of it right now. Okay. So the feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often come strongly. How many of you did a fourth step and a fifth step and go, I'm good. <laughs> and then never went any further. So you might think you're done there, but you haven't completed the house cleaning. Does that make sense? I haven't taken the power out for a walk. I was perfectly prepared to help thousands of people through my lived experience, but I got to get right spiritually. Does it make sense? Okay. So it says we feel we're on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. So they're painting another picture. How many of you would have to describe some type of your life as kind of walking on a tightrope? So what they're painting the picture of is not so tight anymore. I got a little room. I can breathe, yeah? yeah? All right, so now they've got some more instruction for me, the step taker. Returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour. This is how you're going to find out whether you can be at perfect peace and ease or not. <laughs> how many of you have gone and done the sit at home for an hour? Did you find it was harder than it sounded? Did you find that you were aware of your effort to be at peace? Yes. Did you realize the futility of the effort to produce peace? <laughs> we're start, part of the process is realizing I've had experiences of a creator I didn't know was the creator operating through me, and now I'm trying to grow in the experience of being in presence, and I need to know that I can't do that on my own. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says carefully reviewing what we have done. So what have we done? Hopefully, right? I'm, I'm, in the, I'm prosecuting out the fifth step now as I'm in contemplation. I'm probably going to have to have another conversation, but I'm trying to figure out what the substance of that conversation is. Yes? So then it says we say a prayer. We thank God. Wow, someone was on it. What? We thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. Now think about what they're saying. I now have had my attention called to the fact of God, the experience of God. I've felt that power flowing in, and it's been called to my attention by somebody who is in similarly in the power, yes? Much of what's happening here right now. So now I'm not talking some rote prayer, or not. I'm speaking specifically to the Creator. And I know exactly what that means to me, yes? 
So I do know him better, don't I? Maybe the first honest prayer I ever said, I'm sure it was, because I knew who I was talking to, and I knew why I was talking to him for the first time ever. Because I knew I needed him. I knew where he lived, and I knew he knew what I knew. Anyone else have that encounter? Okay. Taking this book down from our shelf, we turn, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. Carefully reading the first five pro proposals, we ask if we've omitted anything, for we're building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Who do we ask? Yeah, absolutely right, Wayne. I just want to make sure everyone here is with us. I'm somewhere where I'm alone for an hour. I'm trying to get to perfect peace and ease. I just said a prayer, thank you, from me to you for disclosing yourself to me. Yes? And then I'm asking that same power, have I omitted anything? Okay? Is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put into the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? And I go back to 58, so we can check it out. 59, actually, Sean was supposed to correct me. <laughs> Page 59, the first five proposals. Were you sleeping, Sean? One, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, dash. Powerless when? Always. Y'all know why they said that? How many of you had some sober time and then you didn't? How many of you had every intention of having continuous sober time until you thought you'd overreacted and didn't? So when I take a drink, all the stuff that happens to me are just the kind of things that happen to a guy who drinks when you're like me. But that's not the insanity. The insanity is that I take a drink knowing what happens to a guy like me when I drink. And little factoids, insane people don't know they're insane. Now, after the dash, it said that our lives had become unmanageable. How many of you copped to that because everything around you was looking, yep, unmanageable. <laughs> they had us cop to that, but it was never circumstantial. They had us cop to that in one, and they don't tell us what that unmanageability is until two. You want to go back and look at that? See how they got us to take a little step of faith, a little admission of faith, before we even knew what faith was? So let's go back to page 52. And it says in the middle of that page, we had to ask ourselves why we shouldn't apply to our human problems the same readiness to change our point of view. We were having trouble with personal relationships. Any evidence of difficulty in personal relationships in any of y'all's life? <laughs> said we couldn't control our emotional natures. Any of you had that experience? 
thought everything was chill until it wasn't. We were prey to misery and depression. Couldn't make a living. Had a feeling of uselessness. We were full of fear. We were unhappy. Couldn't seem to be a real help to another. Yeah? You relate to all that? So that's that human condition I've been trying to treat with alcohol and drugs. And a little help for you uh, fellow humans. We were never designed to control our emotional nature. We were designed to experience our emotional nature. We are never designed to control our thoughts. We are designed to discern our thoughts. Everything's permissible, not everything's beneficial, one wise man said. So we take captive every thought and submit it to the power within. Yes? But you're not there yet, but we'll get you there. That's the conscious walk. We'll talk about that in another couple weeks. Okay. So we're back to the step process. The unmanageability is that human experience we all have where we're feeling full of prey. You know, we're prey to misery, depression. Even though things are good, things don't look good. Yeah? Okay. All right, so then two comes along. It says, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Why do they say could? Exactly right. Exactly right. I've got a part to play. If you're sitting in the closet praying for a pizza, it'd be a good idea to go to the fucking kitchen. Or where, yeah, if it's being delivered, open the door. Um, I'm not trying to be overly ridiculous, but a lot of people don't get this is real. I'm going to have to, I'm, I'm going to play a part. I, it, I'm going to have to move in the direction. Does that make sense? And there's a process through which I move with a guaranteed result, which they have documented. Does that make sense? Okay. And it could restore us to sanity. And so what? is insanity, according to the authors. Yeah, an appalling lack of perspective. Sean says it as he's walking out the door. <laughs> Initially, it's just taking a drink when I know I'm an alcoholic. But they're saying an appalling lack of perspective. Let me give you a perspective. I believe that 12-step recovery, all treatment, everything that we try and do here is all about restoring identity. And once you know who you are and whose you are, then you're here to serve. And the minute you start to serve, your perspective grows. Does that make sense? So insanity is a lack of perspective. Power to serve is a growing, infinitely large perspective expander. Does that make sense? Okay. So based on that, we made a decision. How does one know that I have made a decision? It'll be indicated by action, won't it? Faith without works is dead. So it says, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we, power as we understood him. They've carefully detailed the case of how they understood him. It's always in italics. They understood him to be a profound experience of power and purpose from within. 
Bill describes it as, I saw the mountaintop, or the clean wind of a mountaintop blew through and through. All of them throughout here, by the time they get here, they're talking about the awakening within that I'm going to spend the rest of my life improving upon. Something real. It's not a group of drunks, not a light bulb, not a doorknob, none of that silliness you've heard over the years. That's nonsense. Precise instructions. And this is not a theology lesson. This is a drunk lesson. Okay. Made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. So by this stage, we've done that. Yes, and why did we do that? My consciousness of the power and purpose within me has been obscured by calamity, pomp, worship. And I, I examine that so that I can face and be rid of that manifestation of self driven by fear that has caused havoc in my relationships and caused me to give too much credit to one thing and not enough credit to another thing. Or, to be unable to commit to anything so I never had anything or I couldn't keep anything. Does that make sense? And then it says we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs, which I would have chased back to the fear in my fourth step. Yes? Are we all there? Well, now we're back to page... 76 says, if we can answer to our satisfaction, to whose satisfaction? That's the author's telling you. It isn't about somebody who's telling you what to do. You went and got an ideal for all your future relationships based on your lived experience. No one is here to tell you what you need to do. You need to know you and the creator are moving in the same direction. Yes? Okay. So says, if we can answer to our satisfaction, you're the only ones who know, but if you're ready, then it says we look at step six. We have emphasized willingness as being indispensable. And now a question. Are we now ready to let God remove from us all the things that we have admitted are objectionable? So that's a question. When they ask a question, you'll know it by the fact that they put a question mark after it. So... At that time, you want to ask yourself that question. Does that make sense? I, eyesight without insight, spiritual blindness. So have I done this? And now am I ready to let God take those away? And it says, can he now take them all, dash, every one? How many of you had to check yourself right there? Sometimes it's like, I'm not sure I'm ready. Sometimes I don't even know what it is. How many of you didn't know what those defects were? How many of you thought those were assets until you learned in search? A lot of us. I know when I first started out on this journey, I thought I was very witty. <laughs> People would tell me all the time, you're just full of wit. <laughs> Might not have been wit. I learned one time I was working as a site manager for a, a behavioral health, you know, serious SMI clinic, and I was being witty. And I really cared about those men and women. 
but I thought I was being clever and one of them came up to me after the group I facilitated and said, Joe, why are you making fun of us? And it crushed me. I said, why did you think that? He says, you were making fun of us. I was making jokes with people who thought they were the joke. So I was not in tune to my environment spiritually. So what I thought was an asset was not an asset. Does that make sense? And I shared that moment with you, full disclosure, because I know it's impactful, because I can feel you feeling me. Uh, we sometimes think things are more valuable than they are until we actually go out and do the work, don't we? Yeah, our opinion isn't worth much if someone didn't pay us in advance. That's what we learned. That's what lawyers... <laughs> um, so if we still cling to something we will not let go, we ask God to help us be willing. Yeah, thank you for that. Think what they're saying, though. A lot of times in our fellowships, we castigate people and say, they're just not willing. You ever heard that said? Oh, yeah. You ever said it? So what I want to tell you is willingness is divine power. The only way someone that's really down and out is ever going to feel empowered enough is if I loan them mine. That's what I'm there to do. So if I can approach them without judgment and encourage them, many of them, the authors say, pick up their mat and walk. But first we've got to have an accommodation. I once was just as hopeless as you. I doubt I'd have made much progress had I not taken action. This is the action I took. This is what I experienced as a result. The creator of the universe has brought me to you, and I'm here to tell you from him, if you'll get up and walk with me, you'll be free from that moment on. So then it says... So don't, don't take it lightly. We, if we know ourselves to be unwilling to take an action, ask for willingness till it comes. And then one more suggestion, do that which you are willing to do because we act our way into better thinking. Does that make sense? Okay. So it says, when ready, we say something like this. My creator, I'm now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. Amen. Amen. I call that to your attention because the step three prayer, people over the years have plugged an amen there. If you'll go back and check me, you'll find there is no amen there. God does not make too hard terms on people who earnestly seek. All I asked was for power to seek. I don't need agreement with a God I don't know. By the time I'm here, I have agreement with a God I know. Does that make sense? I don't know why some drunk plugged an amen in too soon. That was only half the prayer. Does that make sense? But remember, some drunk did that. And you can read the testimony of the first 100 and see clearly it's not there. It's here. Because this, if you read Bill's other book, is where we separate the men from the boys. If you really made a decision, you're getting ready to serve. You're going to start prosecuting amends, and you're going to start showing up where people that aren't as far as you hang out so you can show them at least as much as you know. Does that make sense? Okay. So then it says, 
We have then completed step seven, and Rodney, I didn't run over. See you next week. <laughs>